Good morning, everyone. This morning's a great uh, opportunity to uh, disciple uh, our own hearts, but also to uh, disciple our children. So uh, as we have a little bit of organized chaos at the end, uh, you can say to your children that this is okay, this is normal somewhat, maybe. Uh, but if you have young children and you want to bring them up front here uh, so they can see uh, then we certainly would uh, encourage you to do that. So today's Palm Sunday, and uh, with that in mind, if you would open your Bibles and come with me uh, to Luke chapter 19, uh, we're going to take just a few minutes and uh, recall um, Palm Sunday and take a glimpse, perhaps, of, of the heart of Jesus um, towards the people and in the heart that he has uh, for you and I. If you have a set of notes, uh, you're going to note that um, I give you a link to a couple of things, and one of them is uh, Charles Spurgeon uh, wrote an, an excellent uh, uh, teaching uh, sermon on, on the heart of Jesus Christ when he comes to consider this passage. So, uh, so if you really want to see what a, what a really good sermon looks like, uh, you can check out Spurgeon's uh, sermon, which might be helpful uh, to you this morning. But let's pray. We're going to be in uh, Luke chapter 19 this morning and uh, find your way there, and you'll be in good shape. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. Lord, we pray, Lord, that you would uh, speak to our hearts this morning and, and encourage us in, in the things of God. Lord, we're just excited to share uh, the ordinance of baptism this morning, and we pray, Lord, that would be uh, an encouragement uh, to all of our hearts as well as to those that are being baptized this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So you come to Luke chapter 19 and in verse 28, uh, Dr. Luke says, And when he had said these things, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. And, and in the early verses of the narrative, what we see is the fulfillment of Zechariah 9.9. And also what we see is the sovereignty of God uh, being exercised. And what we see in the sovereignty of God, maybe some of you can help me, God is all... All-knowing and all-present. So he's powerful. He knows all things. He's present in every way. And we see the amazing power of the sovereignty of God being displayed, that he's all-powerful, all-knowing, all-present all the time. And many times when people have those attributes, like if, like if you were... If you were all-powerful, all-knowing, and present all the time, some young children would say, oh, that's my mother. <laughs> but if you possess those qualities, what would be your heart? What would be the disposition of your heart towards those that would be under your sphere of influence? And at least for me, and in the few minutes we have this morning, what we see in Palm Sunday is really the tender mercies of Jesus Christ 
towards those that, well, they just don't see. They just don't see the grace of God. They don't see the mercy of God. They don't see the love of God. But that doesn't prompt Jesus to be, say, stern with them, although he can be that way. It doesn't cause Jesus to, dis- to discipline them, although he will discipline those that follow after him. But in this case, in Palm Sunday, before he even gets to where the people are, you know, throwing their cloaks down and waving branches and singing Hosanna, Jesus comes up over a hill and looks at Jerusalem. And in that moment, we see the very heart of God towards those that are lost and perishing, those that, well, we see sovereignty expressed in a very different way. We see power, control expressed in, well, a tender way. Look at the text with me if you're there. It's kind of unexpected. It's in Luke chapter 19 and verse 41. It says, And when, when Jesus drew near and saw the city, he did what? He wept over it. And the heart of God towards those that are, can't quite figure it out, can't quite see him, can't quite see the grace of God, even though God is completely sovereign. Jesus simply does this. He looks at the lostness of the people and and he weeps. And because he's all-knowing, he knows the end from the beginning and everything in between, he weeps not only for the lostness and the blindness of the people spiritually, but he weeps over the destruction of the city that's going to happen at the hand of the Romans in 70 AD. And Jesus simply breaks down and he weeps. Now, I can understand him weeping at the loss of his good friend Lazarus because I can just understand that. I've experienced that. But to weep at a city like Jerusalem that you know is going to, turn on you really does open up the heart of God and the, and the disposition of God even in his all sovereign and his all powerfulness is the way he looks at you and I is that well Spurgeon gives us three things to think about when we're looking at Jesus' response as he weeps over this and, and as he considers the people's blindness and as he in, as he considers their, their impending you know, doom at the hand of the, at the Romans. He says in the middle of that, in the middle of those times in our life where all seems we can't figure it out, Jesus comes to us personally. Jesus enters and he steps into our world and he comes, second point, he comes to us with salvation and he comes to us with grace and he comes with us in peace. And that's consistent with all that, that the Apostle John has told us, that Jesus Christ came not to, what? Condemn the world, for the world is what? Already, Already condemned. But he's come to do what for us? He's come to save us and to bring us mercy 
when we just don't really deserve it or when we don't even see the grace of God. Jesus wept over the city. Not only does Jesus step into our, into our world and our time and our space, he steps into it with grace and mercy. And thirdly, what we can glean from Spurgeon's sermon is that Jesus, he steps into our world at our worst possible condition. And, jo- and Paul speaks of that in Romans chapter 5. While we were yet sinners, powerless, helpless, Jesus came and he died for us. And so the point of Jesus weeping is certainly to display the sovereignty of God and his power and his might, but he does it in a very unique way, is that he use, uses his power, and his might to come and rescue us and bring us hope and bring us salvation. doesn't come to subjugate us. He comes to bring us his freedom and his salvation and his grace. The people testify of this in, in um, verse, say, 37 of the text, the people express that God's tenderness comes to us in his sovereignty, but also in his mighty works. Look at verse 37. As he was drawing near already on the, on the way to the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all of the mighty works that they had seen him do. And when we consider life, it is God's mercy that intervenes in our life by from time to time showing us his mighty works. And when we consider Jesus and his ministry, he came to heal, he came to restore sight to the blind, he came to set the oppressed free, and he he came to proclaim his Father's kingdom. And God does that in all of our lives. He touches us with his grace by showing us his mighty works. You know, from time to time as a pastor, I have to go to the ICU. And if you've ever been into an ICU where the person is intubated and you walk into that room and all the buzzing and swirling and you walk in and you see a person that is ashen in face, and the tubes are going, and the chest is rising, it sucks every bit of faith out of you. It just... And it's at that moment we remember the tender mercies of our God, and that God is mighty, and he's powerful, and we should never give up praying. Because God is merciful towards those that are in need. I remember our sister... I mean, a couple of a couple people like that. Our sister Dottie was in ICU, tubes all around, hushed voices. So, the family comes in, faith sucked out of the room. Yet God is mighty, Amen. and Dottie Milton's at home enjoying her family today because of the mighty, tender mercies of our God. Never, 
give up on his merciful interventions. Secondly, we can see in his sovereignty and his mighty mercies, he's, he is, in verse 38, he is the blessed. He is blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Isaiah describes him as that wonderful counselor, that mighty God, that prince of peace. And the government will be where? On his shoulders. That's my God. He's merciful. He's tender in heart towards those that don't know him, can't see him. And in the midst of that sovereignty, he expresses himself as merciful and mighty in act and, and a mighty king. The last thing we can see from our text this morning is how he is in control of all things, in control of all creation. We come to verse 40. And he answered, I tell you, if these were, these were silent, the very stones would cry out. Jesus, the author and sustainer of all creation, if need be, could have stones cry out. Now, I had to be careful when I looked at this verse because I didn't want to read into the verse something that I wanted to say. So Ezekiel rescued me. God in his creative ability, Ezekiel gave us a picture of God's creative ability that comes through regeneration when Ezekiel, in his text, and you can see it in Ezekiel 30, 36 and Ezekiel eleven nineteen, is that God in his all-powerfulness, sovereign ability can take a stony heart and do what? Bring it, make it into a heart of flesh. Which really points to the amazing power that God brings to us when he visits us with his grace and we respond to that grace and he transforms our heart and life, 2 Corinthians 5.17, into a new what? A new creation. When I think of Palm Sunday, I know many of us think of the, the cloaks on the ground and the waving and the hosanna. I mean, I think that's what we've been trained to look for. But when I think of Palm Sunday, I see a weeping Savior weeping over a city because his heart is full of tender mercies towards those that don't know him. You might be here this morning. You might be a guest. You might be like, what is this place? What's with the Irish dude up front? <laughs> well, we hope this morning that you'd not miss the tender mercies of God towards you. His love and his affection. That God has already predetermined in his heart how he's going to relate to you. That he's going to love you with an everlasting love. His mercies will never fail you that he sent his son Jesus Christ to die on the cross for your sins, not because you deserved it, not because even, not because even you might think, you know, well, if, you know, if God gets me, heaven will be a better place, not even for that reason. God loved you, sent his son to show you the mercy of God, to bring you into relationship with him. God's disposition of your over your heart is that he weeps for you. 
and so desires for you to come and experience his grace, his love, his forgiveness, his peace. This morning, we're going to see some folks come up front here. They're going to testify of that transformation that happened in their lives. That they were once dead in trespasses and sin, but God intervened in their life and dispensed grace. I don't know what your view of church is. Sometimes my view of church ain't that good either. But I know this one thing to be true. That Jesus wept over me and he called me and he forgave me of all my sins. And he made, he, over the last 40 plus years, he's been working in my heart and my life to help me to become the best person I could ever be this side of heaven. And so that's my prayer for you this morning, that you would experience the tender mercies of God, that you would let him transform your heart, that you would experience his hope and his grace and his peace in your life, and that he would begin a work in your heart, a work of transformation, so that you could become the best person that you could ever be this side of heaven. Why? For this simple reason, God loved you and sent you his son, Jesus Christ. Amen?